everybody. This is Joe Swanson, and this is the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. And uh, this episode, uh, I have the pleasure of talking to professional BMX rider uh, Adam Banton um, from uh, Arizona. He uh, visited with me via Skype, and it was a great conversation. Uh, it was, I think that, uh, you know, inspiration can be uh, uh found in a lot of different ways and, and, uh, that, you know, creative outlets, uh, can definitely be, um, you know, go back and forth from, from community to community, you know, like BMX to tattooing and, uh, vice versa. So, uh, it's nice to be inspired from different places. Um, if you like the discussions that we've been having with, uh, different tattooers and, and folks, um, you know, ways that you can support the show, uh, this is going to air today. Uh, it is Saturday. Um, I will be in San Francisco uh, for part of the day. If you want to get tattooed, hit me up. Um, you can uh, email me at ogjoeswanson at gmail.com. And uh, then I'll probably be later tonight. I'll be at the uh, Black Dagger Tattoo Lounge in Vacaville. That's my shop and uh, available for some walk-ins. So if you want to come by, hit me up uh, or stop by the shop later on and uh see if i am there so uh you know the other ways you can support uh i have a couple dvds that i sell through some supply companies um go and get those uh that really helps um with uh keeping these things going uh because that uh, uh and i hope it would help i hope it helps the artists out there too uh those are two dvds one on painting and one on uh drawing techniques that uh i, I put out and you know, I hope it helps you uh, focus on your art and, and be able to uh, uh, accomplish greater things with it. So uh, go out and get those. Um, and also just uh, subscribe and, and uh, listen to the podcast. Tell your friends. Uh, tweet that shit. Um, you know, go on Facebook and, and tell, everybody, tell everybody about it. Uh, hopefully, you're, if you uh, are enjoying listening, you don't mind doing that. So thank you for that. And, um, you know, that said... Uh, th this is the uh, Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast, and this is episode uh, with Mr. Adam Banton. everybody this is another episode of the joe swanson propaganda podcast and um i am very again very honored to um have been acquainted with and have um as a guest on my show uh professional bmx uh rider adam banton how's it going it's going good man i'm stoked we're doing this yeah well you know what it's uh we met shoot about a, I mean over a year ago now uh when I was uh able to bring my my son Zeke who's 13 now out to uh Woodward West camp for a week and you happened to be one of the pros that was uh riding there that at that time and um you know I was just super impressed with how you treated uh everybody around you and you know the the kids included and myself uh you were very gracious with your time and and uh you know, it, it was really nice to see that uh, somebody of your status within BMX and um, is, you know, that cool to come out and and uh, be that approachable. That's awesome. I appreciate those are kind words, man. Um, you know, I just I don't know. I'm just myself, you know, like I just I love I guess I just, I like talking to people, you know, whether it's, I don't know, social media, BMX or guitars, music or whatever, you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, Woodward is like such a casual setting out there. And I know camp really, you know, when you, when you're there, you know, you're there for a camper, you're there for an awesome experience to ride like world renowned ramps and having pros just be there, you know? Yeah. And it's different. 
buddy. And um, I've always, I mean, I remember I was a camper when I was 13, way back at yeah. Woodward East, you know? And I, I have, it's crazy. Like I will, I'll forget that I met somebody a month ago and I talked to him, but yet I have such vivid memories of when I was a camper, when I first started riding at Woodward East. And, yeah. um, and, I, and I have memories of the pros there, you know, and, and some of them, you know, like some things never changed. Like some of the guys were cool. And then some of them really kind of didn't care to, to, to talk to you or, or even really like acknowledge you were there, you know, and they like, were just there. They were just there to enjoy the ramps. I guess. Yeah. Get you paid. Know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's like stuck in my mind through this whole time, you know, and now I'm like, like, I still go to Woodward. Every time I still go to Woodward, I'm like stoked. Yeah. You know, I'm stoked that like they're, they're taking care of me. They're putting me under their wing and stuff. And, yeah. you know, um, I'm real choosy of who I even bring there with me. You right. know, I go out solo a lot because it's on my shoulders, you know, if, if I go out there with two dudes and then, um, they do something stupid, you know? Right. Well, it reflects, it reflects on you as well. Cause you're vouching for them. I mean, it, it, that works so much. And we, we talk about it a lot kind of throughout this podcast is, is respect. And, and within the tattoo community, it's like that as well to, to a hyper extent. I mean, you have, if you vouch for a guy, that's your family, that's your brother, that's, you know, you're going to look out for them and, um, you know, it, it translates over into BMX as well. And, and if you bring somebody in, be that, and that's because you're a respectable guy, Adam. I mean, it's, you know, you, you want those people to, ref, you know, the people that you surround yourself with, I assume, are people that you are like-minded with you and, and will respect yeah. that history and uh, of of Woodward and what it what it is and what it was and you know I I myself went to Lake Owen in Wisconsin as a, you know I couldn't afford to go out to Pennsylvania but I I had kind of that little first offshoot um, you know it's it, the first Woodward West if you will was in the Midwest in uh, somewhere in Wisconsin and and I remember riding the half pipe there you know trying you know doing five forties I ripped my shin up you know, from my ankle to my knee because I wasn't, because uh-huh. I wasn't wearing my hammer shin guards that RL Osborne told me to wear. So, <laughs> you know, it's amazing history and amazing stories that, that come out of these places. Yeah. And for somebody to go there and not respect that is, is pretty sad. Yeah. You know, you, my philosophy bottom line is you, you, uh, respect and take care of the people that take care of you. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, I think it shows too with your with your sponsors. I mean, you know, Adam. For those of you who don't know, maybe that are in the tattoo industry and or listen because it's this is mostly a tattoo related podcast. Adam is uh, you should check him out. First of all, he's a very creative dude, and um, you, you might find yourself being inspired by the guy uh, both. Uh, through his writing and through his music, but he's sponsored by Eastern Bikes. Um, also uh, has signature grips with uh, a, an incredible company called Odyssey BMX, and they're doing a lot of great things with videos and using the web really well, I think. Um, he has a wallet and two belts that are uh, signature products through Armadillo um, Accessory Company, and he also is sponsored by S1 Helmets. So yeah, these are these are companies that are are well respected and, and world renowned. And I think it, it shows the type of person that, that Adam is that to be sponsored by these guys and, and both, uh, you know, your writing is really creative, man. It's, it's something that, uh, you may have, I, I imagine you take a lot from when BMX was freestyling and you yeah. mix that in with what's, today but you do that pretty flawlessly was that always the case well uh dude thank you joe that's awesome to hear um you know ever a lot of you talk to a lot of pros that have been in it for a while and they'll have like um motocross background 
or or racing, just BMX racing background, you know, and um, I didn't, I don't have either of those from my background, like prior to me getting introduced to BMX or um, like that. I bought a actual a mongoose race bike first and then realized that the, the track that was like 45 minutes away from me had shut down like the previous year. Wow. So, um, your hopes so had I been shattered. Like, I was like, Oh, you know, crap. Cause back then it was kind of like, I don't know, like racing just seemed to be the first step towards like, you know, early teen, like stuff on the bike, you know, like you're not riding your, like your Schwinn around the neighborhood anymore. Right. You kind of, you're older, but you want to like still love riding your bike, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I don't know for whatever rate and, and racing's all dirt, you know, everybody has dirt somewhere. You can make a dirt jump or whatever. So racing just seemed more user friendly, but the track had shut down and I was kind of like, I was gutted. You know, I was like, what am, what am I going to do now? You know? And, uh, and I saw, um, which was really strange at the time to see BMX freestyle. Basically, uh, it was Dennis McCoy, which is insane because (laughs) he's still riding and killing it on, on vert. He was doing a demo in Washington, DC. I grew up in Northern Virginia and, uh, so I wasn't far from DC. He was doing a demo and I saw it on TV on the news. It was like a 30 second clip. And this was around the same time, I don't know, same year or whatever that the track shut down. And I was just like, that's what I want to do. You know, that's not racing, but that looks awesome. So I went out and bought pegs in a gyro. Coincidentally, coincidentally, an Odyssey gyro, which is insane because I remember getting that thing. And like my dad and I both... I don't know. A gyro is probably—it was like a spaceship, dude. It was real. like trying to put something. It was like trying to put a time machine on the front of your bike. You know, yeah. it, it was that. You might as well have been, you know, doing that because it was so complicated, so confusing. I remember we used to when we got my first bike was a Schwinn Predator, eighty nice. six, I think, orange. Uh, with white uh, pegs and, and white cranks and, and sprocket and, and white gyro. Well, when we, my uh, my brother had kind of built up a GT and we wanted to do a few other things to it, so he we would have to go to this old couple's house in St. Cloud, uh, Minnesota, which was about an hour from where I was, yeah. um, and this old guy had his garage built out as a bike shop, basically. And I'll have to try to remember the, dude, the, the name of the place. But unless you knew where it was, it was in a neighborhood. It was just you had to walk down this guy's side yard and go in his garage. And uh, we, would get, we got a couple gyros from there. And I remember looking at those instructions. Just It might as well have been Chinese, man. <laughs> yep. So he always put he we made him put our shit on the old man. We would make sure that we uh, we would have him install it. And you know, to 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 us, he was a genius because he could he could figure that figure that shit yeah. out. Oh yeah, he was like your lifeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was crazy. Like and now you know it's like the design of the gyro is the same, but it. I mean, obviously the concept hasn't changed and they've refined it and stuff but it's you know when you're 13 you're looking at gyro and you have five or six pieces on on the ground and you're just like the hell am i supposed to do with this yeah and you probably don't have the adequate tools you know you don't have what a bike shop has so you're you're sitting out there in the sun you know or in your garage looking at this stuff with a screwdriver you know a monkey wrench and a pliers you know (laughs) Mm-hmm. what are you gonna do you're gonna you know uh shit i i need to get this stuff together because i need to ride you know i want to oh, ride yeah, and you, I, yeah you you figured you, it out you get it on yeah I, I think that was some of my first lessons in figuring shit out you know in figuring out mechanical things or or just working through problems you know i don't understand this thing you know, I don't know really how to build this ramp, you know, at that time you can't just go on Google and print out a 15 page, you know, document 
down to how much everything's going to cost that you need to get at Home Depot, it was out of your brain. It was, it was okay, I, I kind of, th- I've seen this picture in Freestyling Magazine that had a cross section of a ramp that didn't have the plywood on the front. So I think I can kind of build it off of that. And it was my first real experiences of figuring life out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I learned, I mean, you know, I, I had, uh, I think everybody builds some type of ramp or kicker or something, you know, at some point. Yeah. I remember having, um, we had, uh, my dad had the carpenter guy in town, uh, build us an eight foot quarter pipe. And um, there's actually a picture on my Instagram, OG Joe Swanson from uh, a little little ways back. And on Twitter, you can follow me there as well, um, uh, of me riding that ramp. I never could get more than a couple inches of air on it. I was a pretty shitty yeah. rider. But, um, you know, a flatland, I could do some stuff. I was better at flatland than uh, ramps. My brother was better at ramps than, than I was. But I was better mm-hmm. at flatland than him. So it was all around the Kevin Jones time. Um, oh, you know, yeah. that day Smith, I mean, I remember being blown up. Day Smith was late into my freestyling career. I mean, late. Yeah. He was, he was like nineties. Yeah. It was my uh, mid nineties. I think. Yeah. You know what? That's right. Because I, I did see him first when I came out to California, I kind of had a resurgence and, uh, and tried to get back into it and got a Haro master and, and, uh, you know, learned some elbow glides and shit, but, um, <laughs> nice. it, it was awesome. You know, uh, clicked up with the local bike shop down there in Santa Cruz and, and, uh, this old freestyler guy that had a ponytail and glasses and, um, you know, it was, it was good times, but yeah, before that it was, it was really old stuff. Cause I remember, I remember going to see the Ron Wilkerson, Dave Norrie, Brian Blyther sh- Haro show oh. that was being emceed by a guy named Rhino. Yep. yep. And, and uh, and then the next year it was emceed by uh, by Sean Wilkerson, Ron's brother, and um, and mm-hmm. they were out there. But yeah, I remember seeing that stuff and and the early early Matt Hoffman, Rick Malterno, and some Flatland guy that I can't remember, some younger guy that I can't remember his name. But you know, watching Matt Hoffman is sixteen years old on that Haro ramp. That's back, Uh-oh. you know, that's a trailer ramp, and he's. He's doing three, four combination airs, you know, eight, nine feet out. It's just fucking crazy. Like, like for real, like eight, nine feet out. Like variations. Yeah. Eight foot transition, eight foot quarter, eight feet wide. Right. Yeah. Seeing that, dude, seeing that then was like, there's nothing like now, you know? I swear every demo they did, like Hoffman was like, breaking new ground yeah you know and and it's just it was a really cool time max and in freestyle i think you know yeah no i agree and you know what's i always talk about it you know with regards to the tattoo community and the industry that we are in um that it's an incredibly great time right now to be in tattooing you know and i think that is it translates over to a lot of different things and i think it translates over to bmx and freestyle and skateboarding it's an exciting time it's it's a great time to be in the middle of it all with the explosion of the internet and there's so much opportunity and if it's not happening for you you make it happen for yourself there's opportunities out there everywhere and it's really it's really cool to see that it's nice to reminisce about the historical aspects and be respectful of the past, but it's exciting to be in the moment of now and seeing where things are going. And I mean, the ridiculousness of, uh, the ramps at Woodward and you know, the fact that a dude has a show called ridiculousness, you know, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's grown so huge from the roots that we came from, you know, does that freak you out at all? It's crazy, you know. I mean, it's I, I love it really because the internet is like such a great tool to use. Just you're doing, you know, with your your podcast here and to share um, stories with people that either weren't around then, whether tattooing or BMX, and uh, 
to share stories, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's all free, you know, you can just chime in and uh, listen on stuff. And uh, a lot you know, of guys cool about tattooing, you know, like, I don't have any tattoos, I'm right. like, which is crazy rare, you know, and but so many people in BMX, I would say like easily 90% people have work done, mm-hmm. you know, so those worlds are, are definitely parallel, you know, right. And, Absol- uh, and, and which I, is, I think why a lot of, I, I think a lot of it is because on a baseline level, you know, freestyling when you got into it or BMX as you're getting into it is, is a little bit of an outlaw, uh, an outlaw sport, you know, yeah, it's an extreme yeah. thing. And, and so is tattooing. And, and I think those, those communities who kind of are based on those extreme type of, uh, personalities do blend well together. And, you know, it, it's something that I definitely want to be more involved with. I mean, we've talked about it, um, you know, before about, uh, t-shirt designs and, and, you know, sponsorship and, and different things like that, that come that the BMX community has that I think the tattoo industry can, could benefit from and collaborating back and forth with, you know, well, I'm a tattooer, but I can do a, a really cool design that is, can be a, on a pro BMXers t-shirt, you know, and we're both yeah. cross promoting and cross uh, benefiting each other because, you know, I think that's the positive thing that can come out of, you know, the juxtaposing of two different communities, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's, it, I think there's some people that have done that, you know, I mean, there's guys that are like dudes at Woodward that, you know, pros that'll come to Woodward, like, and they're just like, Mark Webb, perfect example. He's like, he's got his neck, you know, like neck down, double sleeves. Like, I think he's got stuff on his hands Back and stuff. Piece, yeah, and um, the whole thing. There's a lot of guys out there that have a lot of signature parts and stuff who are really into getting tattooed and having work done and stuff. And yeah, uh, you know what I think is cool about um, it's the freedom of that expression that that they can be who they are within an industry and still make a living, you know, that, that, that's one thing that, you know, as for a while, I've been tattooing 17 years for seven of that. I was a cop. And and that's one thing that, you know, law enforcement agencies were always fucking tripping on my arms. You know, I was fully sleeved. I was a tattooer. Um, and it never, it, it, the only negative I ever got about wearing short sleeves um in a uniform was from within those departments and it's like you know what why can't i just be myself you know i'm i'm dealing with these people as my peers really i should be you know as my equal and so but you know they they were tripping on it and i think it's cool to see more yeah more industries um bmx and tattooing and you know construction's always been one that you can kind of look how you want to look and it's about the skill rather than the appearance. Mm-hmm. And I wish it, I wish it could get more like that across the board where, you know, a guy who has tattoos up to his throat and, and a little cross next to his eye, uh, can be a, a CEO of a big corporation because you know what? He's a smart motherfucker and you know, he's the right man for the job, regardless of whether he has right. this, uh, ink, but there's these preconceived notions about a person based on, you know, we all do it based on their outward appearance, their, yeah. uh, you know, how they're projecting themselves, whatever it may be. But do you ever struggle with that? I mean, as, as a, as somebody that you've been in the, in the BMX a long time, um, do you ever, I mean, and you're, how old are you right now? You're like mid thirties, right? 37. 37 i'm 39 you know and i struggle with it for a while is god is you know is tattooing really legitimate and am i you know am i selling out short you know should i be more mainstream you know and i had to get to the point where i was comfortable with myself and with the fact that that's my job 
and it is a job and I do provide for my family and it is respectable, you know, whether my dad liked it or not, you know, whatever. But do you find yourself thinking about that shit or like, like, uh, I mean, I feel, I feel that BMXers should be able to go out there, earn a great living and feel confident with what they do and support and live how they want to live and look present themselves how they want to present themselves, you know, whether that's how you present yourself, um, you know, creatively or how, um, what's that dude's name? Uh, who I think he lives in New York now pro BMX or did crazy three sixty off this huge stair, um, loader, how, how loader, you know, presents himself. They're two different things, but you both can coexist. My coder. Hoder, yeah, Hoder, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're two, you guys are presenting yourself two different ways, but you know what? You're both being accepted by a community of like-minded people, and um, it's. I feel that that should be as respectable as somebody who is a you know a manager at a at a you know old Republic title company. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Or am yeah. I just rambling? I don't know. I, f- I could be just fucking rambling. No. <laughs> no, actually, it's funny that you asked me that because I was actually going to ask you a similar question. I mean, uh, kind of like from, I guess, insider looking in and having, you know, a ton of my friends being tattooed. Is Do you see, I mean, do you see as do you see it, things getting better? You know, like you've been tat, you've been tattooing for a long time, and uh, do you see it like, you know, like like yeah, like one day a guy with like a cross by his eye and then like neck hats and stuff. Do you see it getting to the point where one day he could be a CEO? Yeah, because I mean, IMX, I, I feel like it's so it's so small, like and um. In a way, it's like I think we're as, not in the real world, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, we're no, just I, having fun on our bikes, riding, and yeah, but you're interacting with the real world on a daily basis, and they're either going to accept you or not accept you. And I think predominantly, um, people are more accepting today than they have been in the past, and I think it's going to continue to go in that direction. So, you know, I can feel confident to. Um, you know, walk around and present myself as a, as a tattooer and a business owner and, uh, uh, um, confidently in a professional environment, whether that's a chamber of commerce or whether that's, you know, talking to Donald Trump, I would love to have that conversation with, you know, uh, with him. And I feel that I could, uh, I could do that because I'm confident with what I do. And, you know, is tattooing is, is society getting, or are tattoos becoming more accepted? Absolutely. And I think it's just going to take a few more generations of people getting tattooed and not being worried about showing that even if they only have one or two tattoos, the stigma of showing it will become less and less as, you know, things grow and and the internet grows. And I think that has a big correlation with it all. You know, as we become more connected as, as uh, people, less and less uh, of you know, tattoos or the way you do your hair or the way you dress are going to become stigma, you know? So I think that, yeah, it, it is getting to that point. Yeah. 80 steps probably, huh? Yeah, totally. And I, you know what? It's, I, I really personally believe, you know, I've been talking to my in-laws about voting and, and I ended up, I'm not in the area to vote today that I'm, that I'm registered in. And, you know, I've had a kind of a crazy couple of years moving and, and things. So, you know, but you know, talking to them about, uh, so I'm not voting. That's pretty shitty of me. Uh, but next year, you know, the next, next four years, I'll, I, I said, I'm going to take this time to have a little more concerted, uh, effort in, you know, understanding political issues and how they affect the overall scope of, of where we're at and, and this world. And, but honestly, my opinion that it boils down to getting involved on a local level, whether that's, you know, politically or with, uh, businesses and you do that 
and you communicate together locally and you fight maybe some of these stigmas locally and then those local movements become a regional movement and it becomes a state movement it becomes a county move you know country movement and so it takes it take it's going to take us as individuals as um representation you know representations of our own communities to go and fight at a local level to have any kind of change happen i think pretty yeah. f- pretty fucking deep <laughs> yeah that's it's crazy i didn't know we were going to get political man that's awesome i like political. it <laughs> today's the day right today is the day yeah tuesday should be voting yeah. you know and this this podcast is going to be aired uh, this weekend. It'll be available. What I think I'm going to do is try to do two of them a week, and I'm going to re- you know record on Tuesdays, release one that night, so get people ready for Hump Day, and and you know maybe laugh or two uh, on their commute to work on Hump Day, and then release another one on Saturday morning, and uh, get people through the weekend and give them a little chuckle then too. So, but uh, what's going on right now, man? You got music, you got BMX. What's the what's what's on the agenda? Um, you know, uh, dude, I'm just as far as riding, I'm just so gl- it was so hot in Arizona. This this is my first summer that I I made it through my first summer. And uh, it sucks. When you t- when you say hot, how hot are we talking? In August. Um, say that again. You know, in August, which is like the. No, it's cutting out. But anyways, it's hot as fuck, people out there. I can only imagine that it's like standing on the sun if you're trying to ride your bike. Sticky tires. And uh, that's got to be crazy, man. Yeah. The only way to get around it is just not to be here, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you ride indoor? Um, not really. Nighttime. Okay. So you, become, you have to kind of adjust your, uh, your life to be more of a night owl so that you can beat that heat. Yeah. Yeah. So are there parks? It works. Are there parks out there? Do do most parks kind of know that, and do they have lights and stuff? Yeah, mo- most of them do. They most of them have lights, and um, you know it's enough to uh, to get you by in between trips. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting because I've never really thought of that angle um, of a BMXer depending on where you live will dictate the times of day that you ride. I mean, I know I knew that from growing up in Minnesota, but that was black and white. It's snowing. I can't ride. It's summer. I can ride, you know, Uh, are there enough dry patches in spring and fall to ride? Um, (laughs) but with, um, with where you're at really affects how you have to, you know, when you, when you get to be on that bike, that's interesting. Totally. Totally. But, uh, you know, it's weather's getting awesome now. It's getting really good. And uh, filming more for web edits and stuff. And um, so BMX is, it's good, man. It's awesome here at night. It's even good in the day now. And uh, just riding a bunch, trying to, trying to still keep that creativity flowing and trying to film some new fun, different stuff, you know? Yeah, that's... uh, that's definitely one thing that um, I noticed about some of your Odyssey edits and some of those things that you were doing was you were looking outside. And this is what honestly appealed to me as a somebody that had come up from a different generation. But I think it could appeal to mm-hmm. the younger generation as well who want to set themselves apart, uh, you know, from somebody that has to, you know, uh, no offense, but has to have Nathan. I have Nathan William bars, you know, and a and a certain frame, and it's got to be breakless, and you know this and that. You know, the creativity yeah. that you put forth is pretty cool, man. And I, I, uh, thank you. I found that like when you did the the eBay, the free the free thing edit, 
Craigslist, uh, yeah. The, the Craigslist. Craigslist yeah, the Craigslist edit was fucking really cool idea. You know, not only was it um not only was it good writing, but it was really creative and I think that uh it's refreshing to see that kind of stuff out there. How did it, you come how did you come up with that? Thanks, man. Um it's funny, I mean I literally came up with that idea just by uh you know, it was when I was living in 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 Salt Lake, and uh, there was just, I don't know why, I was just up in the free list on Craigslist for, like, I guess furniture or any crap that was free, you know? And um, Yeah, you never know when you're going to find a hidden gem in there. Well, yeah. And then, you know, it also, your, your average, you know, your average pro isn't uh, exactly, like, you know, driving around freaking BMWs. Some guys are, but but not this guy. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, some free some free shows on Craigslist or whatever, and I, I would keep an eye on it. And then the thing I started to notice was uh, obviously there was just a lot of like repeated free stuff, you know, refrigerators, couches, coffee tables. You know, a yeah. coffee table is essentially it's a ledge, right? You know? Yeah. So. Uh, a lot of this, you know, a lot of stuff people give out were like stuff that you would see in alleys, riding street, cruising through your neighborhood, down the alleys, looking for spots. Right. And 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 you'll hit that stuff. You know, if you see a coffee table in the alley or whatever, and you're just cruising, you'll either hop over it or manual cross it or or do a Smith grind on it or something. You know. So, um, I don't know. You know, I was trying to Odyssey was uh, asking me you know, trying to set up a time and a, and a theme for a, uh, for an edit, I guess not so much a theme. I just needed to get a, an Odyssey vision out there. And, um, and I just came up with that idea, you know, it was just a uh, kind of right timing. I think yeah. No, that's, it's, yeah. it's cool that, you know, you can take that, um, take that idea of being kind of riding free through the city and you go down an alley and wow, look at this. I got this thing to, to grind on or, or yeah. jump over. And you take that idea and you make it happen. I mean, it's contrived, but it's, it's, it's set up to be super cool. You know, you're, you're recreating that um, kind of wonderful free experience with, you know, um, and doing it in a fun way. I think that's super, super cool. Yeah, it's it really fun, man. And, uh, and it was not easy, let me tell you. I mean, it looked nuts. Some it, of those it things. Was, it the, wasn't easy. It was uh, time consuming of trying to find stuff that was rideable. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and it was part of the fun part about it was riding stuff that like wasn't really rideable. Like like I had a car seat, and I that, tried to make that a landing. You know, like three sixty yeah. tilt top. Um. Yeah, there was some. There was some crazy stuff. What was the one at now and then finding streets? Yeah, what was the one at the very end where you were like rolling backwards for a long? What was that sequence? Was that on there? Was that on that edit? Um, or maybe that was a different backwards. There was one where. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. It was. I made like a man. What was Did it? Did it have to do a with door. a tray or a door or something? It was a door. It was a door that I made like out of like kind of like a teeter totter type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I rode up on one end and then one end it, and then as it fell back, I landed backwards, rolled, and then uh, faked up to backwards Smith to hop over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That one. That took, that took forever. There was a car park right next to the um, side I was faking on, and I was seriously running bike. I just wanted to throw my bike in that car. <laughs> do, you, do you ever just right in the middle of that experience just be like, oh, my 
fucking God, what the hell is this? What am I doing this for? It's like a two minute edit, but fuck, I can't get anything going here. Does it ever just get to that point where you just want to? Yeah, I actually chucked my mic. I don't throw my bed often. I kind of snapped that day. That was the last day, you know, two minute edit. I was out, we filmed it in Boise. Uh, and, um, uh, I, was, I was out there for a week, and, um, you know, you have meltdowns and stuff, and for whatever reason, it, it took me, it took me a good while to get that, you know. Yeah, um, well, I think what uh, pe- made it. Yeah, you, fi- you finally made it, and I think what people don't maybe realize is, you know, this is, they see a, a, a fun little two and a half minute edit, but what went into that edit, and why it's so important to you because it's BMX and it's your, it's your lifeblood, you know, and it's, it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that goes into those small little things that, um, you know, we all pass by on the internet and maybe flash by, but you've put your life, you know, into it. And I think that's important for people to realize that, that, you know, we, we as crafts, craftsman and and you know what this can be a tattooer it can be a bmxer it can be a plumber it can be a seamstress it can be you know you may just scrub the fucking toilets the best where you're at but it's putting your you know heart and soul into it and i think that comes through with your riding for sure man thanks man i mean i I always really try to put a high filter on anything i film um you know and uh it's it's a much rewarding it takes you an hour and a half from mine. It's uh, you're pretty stoked when you do get it, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and that and that's hopefully the the filmer is going to get that um, excitement, and that's why that you know particular section of the edit becomes a person's favorite is because all that hard work finally paid off, and that's showing through in the writer's emotion about the about it i think maybe that's not um, that's hokey pokey bullshit but that's no you, you do you feed off each other you know yeah i think i think it's uh you know it can make for a better a better a better video piece or whatever because um, you see the commitment that the rider has in it and a lot of that stuff man those bit the riders who are doing some really crazy big gnarly stuff i mean whew that's sketchy man that's life ending stuff if it doesn't go the right way and oh yeah it's not it's crazy man and even even for like all the contests like park riders casual sessions just to be up on that level is like gnarly you know right oh it's and uh, it's crazy, man. I mean, it, it's progression. You know, BMX progresses so fast. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. And well, you know what? And um, that's man, that's a that's a testament to uh, people digging not only just good riding and amazing individuality, but creativity, like what you're putting out. And you know, a lot of times it's about how. Uh, well, most of the time, I think it's about how people. Uh, perceive people and and what kind of vibe you're putting out whether people are going to be drawn to you and and uh it's cool to see uh, a piece of what you know i kind of had in my history being uh still shown through in your in your writing and maybe that's why you know you as a bmxer uh you know your style and i'm a, i'm drawn to and a lot of those other guys that are riding front brakes and and doing stuff it's it's really appealing to me so <laughs> Thank you, man. I um, I try to, you know, uh, I it's I find it fun mixing stuff up, you know, whether it's like old school trick with a new school twist or style or vice versa or just a new school thing, you know. I mean, you yeah. never want to stop learning to have fun on your bike, you right? Know? And, and you know what? That's Be- my main motivator. Yeah, being able to for fun, like I'll, I'll ride anything. I'll go out and ride street. I'll go to this park. I'll go drain a pool. Um, I'll ride trails. You know, like yeah. if it's fun and you have a good crew, or you'll you know, that's yeah, what it's about or you'll just pedal down the street. You know, or yeah, or just cruise <laughs> down the street and 
and hit curb cuts the whole yeah. way there, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool, man. And you know, it, it, it happens in tattooing as well. And, um, you know, with, uh, I think there's there's a lot of translation in, in, in a lot of different things. And maybe people that are listening, you know, whether you're not a tattooer or a BMX rider, whether you, you know, you work for the post office or, you, you know, you're grinding out that job every day. It's still, you know what, try to have something in your life that you can be passionate about and have fun with. And, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff is going to come through and it's going to help you out. You know, um, you know, I definitely I definitely think that's the case. And and um how often Absolutely, do you get man. out how often do you get out uh and ride adam and how how often do you think you're kind of working on the you know there's a business side of of bmx as well i uh, um how often do i ride yeah. i probably i ride mon i usually chill on the weekends unless something's really going on um because i don't that's kind of girlfriend time hang out with her and and uh and chill and rest up and um but uh, now you Monday have Monday through Friday, man. When I'm at home, you know, Monday. When I'm at home, usually Monday to Friday. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, and you know, you're also cutting in time for the, for the music, and yeah, you know, yeah, currently, currently, you have two albums available on iTunes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Adam Banton on iTunes. If you if you uh, yeah. if you go search that, you can find those. A really great, uh, really great. Uh, both albums are good. I have them both, and and uh, really nice listens. So, um, yeah. uh, you're doing you, a lot with yeah. you're doing a lot with music. What's that? You're doing a lot with music currently as well. I am. I am. It's actually. I'm really excited. Uh, last week, I just. It's kind of a long story, but uh, last week I just bought airfare for the guy that I am bringing on as producer and song arranger for my new album nice and uh he lives in france so (laughs) he uh so you know i bought the ticket it was uh it was under a thousand and and that's what i was hoping for so um so it's happening wow it's happening because i was i was freaking scared it's been you know that's all credit card debt i'm just putting on there but uh he's he's totally worth it um He's been out in France for uh, for three years now. He, yeah, I met him when he was in San Diego, and we recorded some. And um, amazing dude, and I'm extremely lucky that he is willing to uh, work on my new album. And totally, it's going to be, I'm really excited. It's going to be elevated to the next level, I feel like. you know, That's great, man. Um, and so he'll come in, and will you guys record everything while he's there or is that does he will he work on it like post-production type of um post-recording or a little bit of both he's gonna be he's flying out here uh he's gonna be staying with me at my place for two weeks and we're setting up makeshift studio um he used to work at fender guitars and he still has connections there so we're gonna borrow some equipment from fender beautiful um i have my equipment here and he uh, has some friends out here in the Phoenix area where we're going to borrow some other equipment. Great. So it's a bunch of good friends coming together, getting stuff done on a, on a professional level, man. I love Absolutely. it. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. And how, he'll, take, he'll take the tracks back to France and work on them in uh, you know, post-production stuff. How great, is, how great is that and how different is that from you know, before a person wanted to become you know, a musician and sell their music? You know, they had to, you know, get together with some guys and, and record and learn to play guitar and sing and, and bust their chops at the local area, you know, level and then cut a demo and, and send it on all these different album, you know, uh, ne- the big places that are they're going to sign them. And and now on a on a really on a friend level, you can come in and with as much professionalism as the, you know, as you can, you can make it sound insane, you know, with, with a little bit of equipment and you can do it all yourself and you can promote it through iTunes or you can sell it yourself on your website with a click of a button. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, anybody can go out there and create music and get it, 
um, available on iTunes, you know, which is amazing and super cool. How were you, how were you first influenced or when were you first influenced by music? And did you know from a young age that you wanted to play, play the guitar or sing Um, or, or be musical? I got in, I got introduced to music pretty early on, I would say. I mean, when I was 12 or 13, probably 13, I, AMX, you know, I mean, this is all like, I've, I, my music is really like everything, all the music of inter, or in my early years was introduced to me through BMX. And, um, I mean, I was, I was 13, man, I was listening to some of the super old punk stuff, you know, um, I grew up in Northern Virginia around the area, so into like minor threat, Fugazi, um, that era of stuff, bad brains, you know, that was all, uh, yeah, that was local music yeah. and, and I re- also popular. I remember hearing Bad Brains for the first time on a snowboarding video. And uh, it was a, a video, um, gosh, I forget the dude's the dude's name. He was cra- Damien something, Damien Sanders. It was John, like John Farmer, I think. And another dude that had hella long dreads and he was just doing these crazy cliff you know, drops. And, uh, he came across bad brains was playing while this guy comes across and somehow wipes out and goes tumbling across like rock, these big, you know, uh, boulders that are the size of a desk, you know, and he just tumbles over it like a rag doll. But I remember bad brains playing throughout that video. And, uh, that was my first introduction to them. Pretty, pretty good stuff, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that had an impact on me pretty early. And, um, probably when I was in like uh, 10th grade or something, my dad brings home an electric guitar that a guy gave him at work. And, uh, you know, my dad used to play guitar and, um, still does a little bit nibbling around and stuff. So I, I grew up, he had a banjo and a guitar. I grew up just seeing that. You know, and then so I think I was subconsciously in in my thoughts from an early age, and he brought home this uh, crappy electric guitar and just thought I might be interested in it because he knew I was like really always listening to music and stuff right. early. And uh, and then I forget somehow I I acquired a huge tube amp. And that was free too. And I think like only one of the speakers of the four, like four, well, it's like a hashtag or something. Like only one of them worked or something. That's probably why it's free. But I would play through that, and uh, that was my first introduction to to start just like doing power chords and stuff. You know? So and, uh, you just I didn't play that. You were just that. self self taught at that point. You uh, where did you get your where did you get your hands on? Hey, hey, this is how to make this chord, or these are the chords that I want to, that I should be playing if I'm going to play these kind of songs. Yeah, um, probably when I was, uh, I got an acoustic probably when I was like 19, and um, was was into that, and that kind of like started to to turn my head more into chords instead of power chords you know uh-huh. and um but really like the turning point i feel like for me as far as my playing of really fell in love with music and creating it was when i was i was 21 i broke my leg and my ankle at the same time and had to drop out of college and move back home because i was i was literally stuck in a bed for a month so i I had to drop out of school. My parents bought me a used uh, Fender Stratocaster from a family friend. And um, I remember playing that in bed on my back with a hard cast up to my hip, staring staring at the ceiling and just practicing chords. And that was kind of, I had a broken leg. It's a pretty bad break for Nasty. 
You yeah, know? I mean, and what are you going to do, man? Cast up to your legs. It's not like you can go, you know, not get late. You're going to be going out bowling, you know? So, yeah. yeah, you're stuck there and you're forced to, you know, to occupy your mind that's, that I assume yeah. is very active and, and, you know, wants to be out there riding the bike or, or doing something and, and bam, now you're confined to this one situation where, you know, yeah. you got to get that creativity out somehow and you, and you yeah, grabbed exactly. onto the guitar. Yeah. So that's, that was pretty, that was a big turning point actually in my life, you know, just from uh, dropping out college and as writing, like, uh, do I, you know, what am I doing? Like, do I want to keep pursuing writing? You know, this was way before any paying sponsors or magazine covers or, or anything. And, uh, but I want to play guitar and so I you know, and, um, but actually turned me on really into like like soon after that i acquired like a crappy little four track um recorder you know yeah and so you from so from very early on you were you were not only thinking about playing music you were thinking about recording music yeah yeah totally like you know what's weird is like i never really was interested in learning other songs you know, like you can buy all these tablature books of like Metallica and, you know, all, all the famous artists that have been putting out thing in records for years and you can learn their songs. But I was more in creating sounds that were on my own, you know, I mean, not that it's not hard to learn somebody else's song. It just wasn't as interesting to me as making up something that I thought of and not someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can you can find inspiration and you can find, I'm sure, motivation in other people's success. Um, absolutely. And, but not be maybe, you know, not not let it affect your own work. You know, and so like yeah. I'm I, I'm at this point right now with this uh, with one particular. With, it's kind of that same thing um, with tattooing for me. My wife has asked me to tattoo her. And uh, she wants um, a, and this came out of her head. She's not on the internet. She's not, you know, on. She just got, you know, she got on Facebook, but um, she's not on Twitter anywhere. So she's yeah. not seeing this uh, this other person's work. And out of her own head, she says, "Well, I want um, a lady's face with uh, a tiger, but I want the tiger as kind of her hair." You know, well, a really famous tattooer had just done. Uh, a a lady's face with the panther being the hair. Chris, this tattooer, Chris Kahn, amazing tattooer. And so I see it, and now I'm in this battle between being influenced by it and being, you know, um, I don't want to copy it. I like the idea, but I need to figure out a way to do it my own way. And, you know, so it's uh, it can happen. You can be inspired by you know, other people's work, but kind of forge your own path. And that's what I'm trying to do with this, with this particular tattoo that my wife wants. But yeah, did no, that's, you, you're totally right. That's, uh, were you influenced by any particular, um, you know, as you were making your own music from early on, were you, were you still being influenced by those, those bands that you, you know, Fugazi and, and those types of bands or, or did you kind of, you know, because your stuff now is pretty mellow, um, yeah. you know, acoustic. Uh, yep. How did you How did you go in that direction? You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's weird. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a perfect. My biggest influence, I would say, would as far as bands or or any artists would be uh, Sonic Youth, which um, they just broke up like a year or two ago, but they've been together since the early eighties. They've been around for a long time. Uh, I've been a huge fan of them for a really long time. And, uh, you know, I just get inspired to to play when I hear them, not necessarily to mimic their style or anything, but it's definitely yeah. inspiring to, to hear that type of uh, music, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, my stuff is it's chill, mostly acoustic. Uh, instrumental stuff 
pretty simple stuff, but I still can get lots of um, inspiration from other bands that really aren't necessarily sounding like my stuff, but the inspiration is there. Well, and I think that's so true with, uh, you know, as you make that point, I think about, um, you know, BMX inspiring me as an artist, you know, or music inspiring me as an artist or a piece of art inspiring you as a, um, a a BMX rider to do something creative and how, you know, it's getting, it's allowing yourself to be open to that inspiration. I think that really, um, you know, kind of sets it apart and, uh, you know, it's really, it can really cross over from any, any different area. You know, all the arts I think can inspire and, and create and create, uh, motivation in another, you know? Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome to hear to hear that, you know, BMX ins- inspires, uh, people like yourself and, and well, it's visual, it, you know, now. it's, it's visual. So it's, you know, right. It's, uh, and it's, Honestly, I think they have more connection and maybe just it's again, it's hokey pokey or whatever, but you know, it's visual and it's about body. It's about the body. You know, it's how you control your bike with your body and, and tattooing Mm -hmm. is visual and it's on the body. And so I think they have a lot more, you know, similarities if you look deeper than just the surface, um, uh, you know, or core underlying issues. But man, I just, I'm stoked on the, you know, to seeing all the cool shit coming out, uh, from BMX and people being creative and, and, um, you know, doing their own thing. Uh, you know, it's really cool to see that. And it's, it's, uh, it's nice to have access to that because of this, you know, technology that we have. It's crazy. You know, I used to have to wait, you know, a month between each freestyle and BMX magazine where I could scour the pages for, you know, wedge tricks by Diz Hicks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's it's it's uh you know, it's totally different, but at the same time it, it hasn't changed either, you know. I mean yeah. uh just how you view stuff and how you can share stuff is really just has made it easy and so accessible. Yeah, man. Well that's that's really cool. And I know that, uh, t- when is the album going to be dropping again? And I know we're going to try to have you on again before, uh, yeah. right uh, around right. that time. But we, he's, I don't have an exact release date right now, but he is coming out. Um, uh, my producer, uh, mid March, okay. two weeks in mid March is when we're going to be recording. Um, so I would say, uh, spring, springtime early summer probably for release if i were to guess at this point right now i mean i'm not expecting him to uh have to put a ton of post-production work right trying to bang it out right the first time and and get it done yeah yeah Yeah, i mean he's you know this i'll have uh it'll be interesting you know to see how different this new album is going to be from my previous stuff um now that i've brought somebody else into the picture you know and yeah well uh, i'll be excited to hear it and uh you know man i I just want to thank you and we'll definitely have you on uh again to uh talk about you know whatever else you got going on and then that release date and we'll get people the information um to do it and you can you guys can follow um uh adam on uh instagram and on facebook and twitter at adam banton it's a d a m b a n t o n and uh you know go check out his his stuff on eastern odyssey armadillo and s1 helmets um there's a ton of cool video clips um one of the greatest uh that i have enjoyed watching is the uh game of bike between you and morgan wade um, (laughs) who i also want to get on the podcast i would love to talk to morgan we talked travel it's another gentleman that i was able to meet uh at woodward and uh we talked about travel and and a lot of cool shit so i hope to one day get him on the podcast and uh, as well but you know follow adam and uh check out his stuff um support his sponsors because they support him and uh buy his music on itunes uh just search adam banton 
And again, my friend, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome anytime. And uh, uh, just shoot me a text and and we'll get you on if you want to promote anything. So. Awesome, man. Thanks. This was fun. Good stuff. Always my pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. And that was the episode uh, with Adam Banton. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, I had fun uh, talking with him. And um, it was, uh, again, somebody that's not necessarily connected to the tattoo industry, but uh, I think that there are crossover uh, influences. And, and it's cool to hear uh, you know, from another artist who uh, can express themselves and uh, you know, is able to live their dream doing what they love doing. So, um, you know, again, if you're enjoying this stuff, man, please, uh, you know, shout out on uh, Twitter and, and Facebook and, and Instagram and tell people about the show. And uh, I really appreciate all the support I've gotten and I hope to continue to bring uh, excellent uh, discussions and, and conversation and stories and, and fun positivity to uh, you guys. So thank you very much. And, and hit me up on Twitter, OG Joe Swanson at, uh, at OG Joe Swanson. You can also hit me up on an email at OG or OG Joe Swanson at uh, gmail.com. So if you got that, that was all sorts of fucked up, but whatever. Um, Hit me up, man, on Instagram. It's all the same. So hope you enjoyed the podcast. Fucking keep listening. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys later. We'll go out with a little Adam Banton. Go get this uh, stuff on iTunes. It's called Mother's Day. Songs from here and there. Or there and here. That's the album. Just go fucking buy it. Please. you guys are still listening if you are i just thought of something um you guys all better get fucking hyped because next episode i'm gonna have on at carrie byron that's right carrie byron uh will be my guest on the next episode of the joe swanson propaganda podcast and we're going to talk about fucking travel sculpture art all sorts of cool shit so damn it listen and uh I'm excited to bring you that episode. So that is going to be coming out this next Tuesday. Uh, it'll be available by like Wednesday morning. Get you over fucking hump day. So, all right. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, hit me up on Twitter. Bye.